Oh, yeah. hey, Justin, would you mind giving us an intro for the episode? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could... I was planning on bragging about all the cool stuff I do now that I moved away. <laughs> Shit. Do that, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, since I moved away, inspired by the podcast, I've decided to kind of take what you guys do and bring it to a new level. Oh. So I've been, the past year, not really in Spokane. I've just been going around and hanging out with all the uh, writers and authors that uh, really inspire me. So, actually, Jeff, Grant Morrison, and I have been uh, Fuck. running a lot together. Fuck. <laughs> you and the comic Turns book beatniks. Turns out he just wants to run upstairs all the time. Well, that's where the energy comes from. That's where the creative juice is sort of born yeah. and returns to. He hits enlightenment every time. I mean, it could be 200 steps. It could be three steps. We went up upstairs in the North Town Mall to get an Orange Julius. He had another spiritual evolution. What kind of Orange Julius does he get? Uh, he gets the classic orange, but yeah. he puts cayenne pepper in it. <laughs> that fucking guy! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know why he you does know, that? It's because it gets him extra high. It does. You know, psychedelic high. Sky high cayenne. What's that? That's that sweet sky high cayenne. Yep. That yep. Metallic liquid metal future intelligence cayenne. Um, oh. I drink a lot of whiskey with Warren Ellis. Okay. You know? Yeah, we just kind of bitch about stuff. I do a lot of bowling with Garth Ennis. Okay. You know, the guy that blows the bowl. Yeah, I've, I've heard that since Steve Dillon passed, he basically spends all of his time in a bowling alley. Yeah, and if he's not in the bowling alley bowling, he's behind the bowling alley fighting with bowling balls. Ugh. So if you're going to bowling alleys with Garth Ennis, uh, maybe you can tell me this thing. I've wondered about him for a long time. Is he a French fry guy or an onion ring guy? Good question. Oh, oh, it's... It's almost entirely tater tots. I've only ever seen him. I bowl with him every Wednesday night, and he only eats tater tots. In fact, he brings his tater tots to wherever bowling alley he goes to. Hey, can I cook these here? Yeah. I see you got oil back there. What's the big deal? As he shakes his bowling ball at them. Um, I hang out with Alan Moore a lot, and that really consists of him making me dress up as Alan Moore <laughs> and smoking cigarettes he rolls out of cobwebs to get his voice correctly. And, yeah, we're just, it's usually just smoking cobwebs, cigarettes in the garage together. Oi, no one's ever sounded quite so much like me. Put this beard on. Can we have Roy Toyo? <laughs> I'm Royt or Toit? <laughs> Birthday cast episode 92. Wow. 92? 91? 92? Turn me on, dead man. The Pacific Northwest 
premier comic book podcast, where every Tuesday we pick up a bunch of comic books, bring them in here, sort them, count them, look at them, love them, take them home, engage further in what I've just mentioned, come back here, uh, spend all day just slanging the illustrated fiction that we know and love, and then we come up here together to put all of our mm -hmm. names into a big old top hat, then we shuffle it up, and we, you know, we put our hand in, we grab a name out, and then that's that week's secret buddy and we buy each other gifts all week long as <laughs> a surprise and then we tell each other every podcast who it was that was doing that i'm jeff or your secret buddy santa i'm django sometimes a secret buddy santa <laughs> those are the eyes of someone who has killed someone before <laughs> whatever face that is <laughs> And I'm Roman. I'm everybody's secret little elf. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and yes, the reason for the season, the reason we're all here with faux snow falling down upon our crown is to celebrate the golden prince himself, our Lord and Savior, Justin Cassatt, 27 years young. Justin, thanks for joining us. How does it feel? There's a Great, mic, guys. There's a mic set up and everything, but he's not there. Oh, there's no Justin. There's not anybody in that chair, actually. Our, uh, yeah, our Spokane feed isn't working. Well, maybe he'll feel us. Maybe he'll feel us. Talking about him. Guys, are you we... talking about me because it's my birthday? Do you, do you know? It is my birthday. You guys know that? Disturbance in the Justin force. Oh. Should we sing happy birthday to him? Or happy should we save that? Happy birthday. We should save it, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's save it. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> are we even allowed to? I don't oh, know how that lawsuit... Commons? Yeah. Yeah. I'll Someone Google that, that some song. at some point before the end of the show. We got to make sure. Well, hey, we'll sing after the first book. There you go. Absolutely. You what go. are we what talking is, about this week, Jay? What is the first book, Jeff? Oh, uh, let, let's talk about the Immortal Hulk. I'll bet we talk about number two and three because we got them both in this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about Ice Cream Man number five, Avengers number five, Gideon Falls number five. five. My Little Pony, Ponyville, Ponyville <laughs> Mysteries, number three. Obviously the odd one out. <laughs> uh, the Magic Order, number two. The Life of Captain Marvel, number one. And Batman, number five, one. Spoilers, we're going to maybe sing Happy Birthday. Oh, we're definitely doing it. In just a second, though, because i got to talk about The Immortal Hulk, number three, by Al Ewing and a slew of artists, because this was told um, through several flashbacks, and those artists are Joe Bennett, um, Leonardo Romero, Paul Hornschmeyer, and Marguerite Salvage, and Gary Brown. I, I was pretty... We read the first issue of this, and I thought it was fine, Um and then the second one came in late, and it was like two weeks after it was supposed to. Finally came in. Roman read it, super jacked on it. He was super excited about reading number three this week. Um, so I sat down to read number two and three before doing this, and it is definitely the best Hulk book I've ever read. And that even undersells it, because I, I really like it. Isn't it just amazing? It's really <laughs> it's good. so good. Um, oh, but, yeah, no, you're oh, you're oh, veteran oh, Hulk guy, so I just haven't told you my feelings on the books yet. No, so no. I wanted to drop that bomb, but please, no, talk I wanna, about I the series. I want to hear your feelings. Okay, well, um, I guess this is a really interesting take on the Hulk. I don't know a ton about him. There's been a lot of different ways that people write the Hulk, and it's never really resonated in an interesting way to me. What I like so much about comics is when 
uh, I can sort of make up my own interpretation of what I think the writer is doing. And that is never correct (laughs) or incorrect. It's just, you know, what a person thinks is going on. But what I like about comics is that it's, it's very subjective to the reader. So this is like... This is like very Jungian and seems very like there's lots of psychology references in it, um, but it's also really horrific. It's Hulk kind of just going around associating with other people who've been exposed to radiation. They're using the setup from the old Hulk TV show where... Well, the show David David Bruce Banner is just wandering around America, getting odd jobs every now and then so he can eat, and just wandering around on on kind of on the lamb from the Law and the Avengers and everybody. Um, And they threw in a new character in here that's based on the reporter in the Holt TV series. That was that was a guy that was actually I think it was Robert Gulp. He was. Maybe not Robert Culp. Anyway, it was Jack McGee was the reporter following him around the country trying to actually run into him and get a story. Um, and here we have a new character, a woman named Jackie McGee. That's okay. a really nice nod to all that. But it's also they added this horror element, which wasn't there in the show. This this and the Jungian thing. Well, and what I really like is that he's dealt in the last two issues with peoples who, who are also associated or been affected by radiation. Yeah. And both of them have been talking about this like green door. Mm. And oh, it's the green force. It's the green force. <laughs> but it also reminded me of Gideon Falls, which has the Black Barnes door. But the way that I kind of interpreted this story is that all of us have in our subconscious this sort of green door, this area of our consciousness that we're not really able to access. But exposure to radiation causes that sort of door to be unhinged and get out and like it's sort of redefined in my idea what the Hulk is which is maybe just this extension of this green force or this you know this this dark under force inside us that can then take us over and it's not that every you know the Hulk and then you know then everyone will become the Hulk but it's like the Hulk is an expression of that type of thing that everyone can access and it's like scary and uncontrollable and both of the people had done horrible things that he deals with. So I just really liked this idea of a pre-existing thing that exposure radiation then causes people to have in common because they're no longer able to regulate this sort of thing and it escapes. And that to me was just a really, really cool take on it. And that fits really well actually with uh, something Peter David established in his long run where gamma radiation in the Marvel Universe unleashes and correct me if I'm wrong, is the id, superego, and ego, is that Jungian or Freudian? That's Freudian. That's Freudian? Oh, damn, because I was going to use the id. I don't know if Peter David used that term, but unleashes each person's undercurrent, this dark shadow shadow self or whatever. Yeah. And that's why the, like, the leader became super brainy, super smart, because he always he was a dumb guy and he always wanted to be super smart. But the Hulk, you know, he was abusive father. Dad hit the mom and stuff. He was the Hulk. So Branner's... Shadow self was this scared, angry child, but that suddenly had the strength to like strongest one there is and do something about his fear and his rage. So yeah, that green door ties in it. That green door is the doorway into whatever your id for I know that's the wrong term, but 
there. And there's so much in this, so many layers. I mean, this the art on all these has been great, but this particular issue um, gets into a Rashomon format where the McGee, the reporter, is interviewing some different people that were involved in this incident where the Hulk uh, burst into this church to because tr he's tracked down the child of the scientist he met last issue, and that scientist was gamma radiated. He, I think he experimented on his son, gave him some kind of gamma powers, and the people that were there, the priest, um, there's an old lady who happened to be there, um, and uh, one of the cops, they all tell their version of the same incident. And it's all, each one is vastly different depending on their own memories and their own uh, predilections toward people, their own, their own ways of seeing people. And each segment is, to is drawn by different artists um, for each of those people. And it's, it's so effective. I, I totally agree. That Marguerite Salvage art is so pretty. Yeah, and she draws the the old woman who tells the story, and she saw this this kid, um, the quote unquote criminal of the story, as as she keeps on mentioning how handsome he was, and this James Dean, this this just troubled rebel kid who was you know good hearted and innocent, and everything, and the artwork is very lots of pinks and bright colors, and he's a beautiful teenage teenage boy, and she's just focused on. You know, the James Deanness of him, mm -hmm. whereas the sheriff has this total hero worship thing going on with yeah. the Hulk, and the the priest is just it's dark and scratchy and awful. Uh, yeah, it's just oh, this it, series, and and it reminds me of um, Adventure Comics in the '70s did a run, and Michael Flesher did a run of the Spectre in Adventure Comics that was. One of the early ones, I think it wasn't Comics Code approved mm, because uh. the Spectre was doing horrible things <laughs> to criminals like they would still be alive. He would turn them into paper and then turn himself into a giant pair of scissors with his cackling Spectre face and then slice them up while they're still alive. <laughs> or he would turn them to, you know, wax and then light the wick and they would burn. Wow. <laughs> and this is kind of in, in somewhat in that same vein where it's it's horrifying. So then what do you what kind of score do you give it? And I I want to know this issue three, because it was uh, artistically pretty different from the first two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of this issue and then just the run so far? Um, <clears throat> this issue, I would give a 10. I mean, even the ch the choice of artists like Paul Hornschmerer yeah. um, drawing the bartender as he's telling his story, I mean, that's that's a perfect Hornschmerer character, and this guy is such a, such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I give um, this number three... I think an 8.5 and number two, like a nine or a 9.5. Oh, I, yeah. I really liked number two and I think number three was also really great, but I just like the emotional twist that two took. And then by the end, when you realize like, Oh, the reason that this, the, the answer to this mystery is like this horrible thing. Like it was just a really well told story. So as someone who doesn't really like the Hulk myself, I'm really into it. Yeah. And I love the Hulk and yeah, I, I would also give two. A ten. I'd give number one probably a nine point five. Yeah. I just really love this series. Yeah. And it's Al Ewing. It's Al Ewing. Yep. He's been killing it lately, hasn't he? For the last like two years, Roman's been up on Al Ewing stuff since he was he did like that revolution. It's, it's the new thing. British invasion. Yeah. <laughs> He's British? Yeah. Yeah, and he did like a bunch of Doctor Who stuff originally and yep. he was doing 
like the tenth or eleventh Doctor's stuff. And wow! Yeah, before he came to Marvel. At the old store, he had, it was when he had started putting stuff out for Marvel and wasn't Roman. he doing stuff way back in the olden days? I believe that. I like I feel like he did not Alpha Flight, but something along those lines. Maybe. I don't know. Oh. Super smart British dude. Yeah. Cool. So. What Ice Cream gonna... Man number five. Oh, you want to? Yeah, did we want to sing Happy Birthday? Um, how about how about one more? Do you think we could summon him? <laughs> do you think if we sing it, it will summon him? I don't know. Got to do it as a chance. Let's just talk about Ice Cream Boys first, and then let's Ice do Cream it. Boys first. Yeah, I'm gonna summon him in my head brain. Okay. Whoa. I'm getting a phone call. Holy crap! Holy boners! Jangles Alpha. Oh, it's Justin. <laughs> oh. Should we sing him Happy Birthday? I think we should. Speak of that. Meow, thing. meow, meow. Meow. No. <laughs> Hello? Hey, buddy. Justin! Hey! How are you doing, birthday boy? Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! It's Justin! Happy birthday, dear Justin! Happy birthday, cute boy. This is the highlight of my day. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> what did you uh what did you get up to today, baby? Buddy? For the last hour I've been eating hummus alone in my room. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey listen, they're making hummus flavored ice cream. I just want you to know that. What? They do? They're about to. Or you do. Oh. I, I was listening to the it. The world is about to release that into the world. Yeah, the this morning they were. I was listening to an article about it. I'm so dead serious. Oh, I'm dead serious. Hey, happy birthday, buddy! What do you What did you do today? Uh, I hung out with my dad. Um, ate two cheeseburgers there, <laughs> and just played a lot of Bloodborne. Nice. Got real sweaty all day. It's like uh. 90 degrees out here, so I'm just sweating in various, eating and sweating in different places. Oh, <laughs> I love that guy. We're uh, drinking, um, yeah. we're drinking fancy whiskey what's for on? you. What's, oh, ooh. Suntory. Suntory Times. Ooh. Who's all there? Me. 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 <laughs> it's Jeff, Django, and Roman. Wonder Dust, Squiggles, and the Hound. That's us. <laughs> Wonder Dust, Squiggles, and the Hound? Am I Squiggles? Yeah, because yeah, Roman's the, yeah, the Hound. Am I the Hound? Yeah, Roman's the Hound. Um, well, what? your Squiggly Wonder Pie is the full name. Oh. <laughs> Aww. I have some, uh, some questions for you boys. Oh. Questions for boys. Oh, can listen, can you get a voicemail to us in the next 30 minutes? Yeah. Listen, that number is okay. 1... 619-663-7336. You got that all right? 1619 Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. You don't have to remember this shit. I don't. All right, well, boys, I love you very much. Thank we you love for you. Me. Happy birthday, buddy. I'm going to leave you a silly voicemail in just a moment. Hey, you're the best. We miss you very much. We do. I miss you too, guys. I love you guys. Have a good rest of your podcast, and I'll send that. I'll, I'll put that uh, 
voicemail in your guys' show notes. Hey, and that's fine if you don't, if you just instead just come back right now. That's yeah. fine, too. We can stretch this podcast out for the amount of time it takes you to drive over here. See you guys. Happy Bye. birthday. Boy, when Justin gets back, we got it. We should go bowling with Orange Julius and Tater Tots. Mm, I really like him. I do, too. Can we keep him? I think we, yeah, we tried. Yeah, Daniel, the, can I get a Justin? Well, no, no, the next time we will. Okay. All right. Yeah, go get, go get a Justin. Ice Cream Man number five. <clears throat> I just looked at your variant cover there. Yeah, what's going yeah. on on that cover? Oh, my God. It's, it's such a good cover. It's a guy about to oh, run into a thing. He's about to hit the ground. Yeah, it's That's by awesome. uh, W. Maxwell Prince with art by Martin Morazzo, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by Good Old Neon. This is the same artist who did She Could Fly last week. <clears throat> it is. He also did Snowfall for yeah. Image a long time ago. And I now I want to go back and read it and see... And The Electric Sublime. Yeah. I like that one a lot, oh, too. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was good. Yeah. I like that. So this artist has not done a huge number of things, but it's very, he's awesome. And this issue had some really nice work in it. Yeah, it's uh, basically part five of a, almost an anthology with some some strings that go through the, the issues. Uh, this one happens during the time it takes a man who jumps off the top of a skyscraper to hit the ground, splat. And in that fall, uh, we're also following a woman inside the building who is having just bizarre, violent things happen around her. And uh, due, to, due to some sort of magic in the world, she's able to escape and run down the stairs to another level at the same time that this guy is falling down to the next level. And so she's got this story going on. He's falling out of the sky, and he's also kind of having flashbacks and narrating shitty things that he's done until he hits the ground. So that's what happened. What was this issue about? Like, I <laughs> I think the art was amazing. There's amazing perspective shots down uh-huh. staircases with vanishing points, and it was just like a geometric tour de force yep. um, with all these amazing, like, perspectives. But I can't create a connection between the two stories we were following i can't there was not the ice cream man in it a weird character shows up for the female well okay so the guy that shows up the the cowboy that shows up Uh uh to talk to her after her ordeal like she gets down down to the bottom of the building just in time to see the police have the, the tarp over the guy's body and everything and then this dude shows up behind her uh he's the same guy that shot the vulture earlier in the issue. Mm-hmm. He's also an adversary for the ice cream man who showed up in the last couple of pages of issue four. Okay, so I didn't hiatus. read issue four. Oh. Issue four has this guy in it for like two pages and he shows up, he's like, <clears throat> hey dude, you're not supposed to be doing this. And they, they have like a little kind of a tense conversation and the cowboy walks off kind of hmm. whistling into the sunset sort of thing. So th- it almost feels to me like we had the ice cream man who told kind of trippy, messed up stories, but they all felt very rooted in reality. And then maybe this guy, we're going to follow this guy for four issues, and he's maybe going to have crazier, more impossible stories, is, mm. is kind of how I read and Maybe this. he's trying to offset the insanity or psychedelic supernatural stuff that the Ice Cream Man has brought by him. He's killing the vulture, which is like he's almost trying to remake order return yeah and the ice cream man seems to be the thing that's causing order to not be yeah. present yeah yeah because the ice cream man is the one that's narrating her part of the story inside the building 
Okay. The outside is the guy who's falling is narrating his own story. I didn't realize the ice cream man was narrating that one yeah. part. Um, yeah, this is this is grotesque and super dreamlike, which usually usually doesn't grab me, but this one this one did. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I did. I did too. And the uh, falling man's um, his his narration of his story and just his observances of himself are so interesting mm-hmm. and so on because it's terrible. You know, it sounds like maybe some terrible stuff he's done, and he kind of feels bad about. it, But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you know, he kind of forgives himself in a way. He's pretty blasé about the rushing ground. It's all very interesting. Plus, I felt like it's drawn out because I was like, is it really? Can you really think all this right. stuff and take this long to fall off even a huge building? If a tall the ice building? cream man helps you, you can. Yeah, 40. Oh, oh, no, he's counting the stories as he goes. Yeah. I give this one uh, a 7.5. I really liked the art, and I did like what was going on. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, but I liked how absurd and surreal it was. And I trust that... What I couldn't make sense of, it seemed like there was still somebody who did know what they were doing. Uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be right there with you. Seven and a half. The geometry that you pointed out is really interesting. Flipping through this again, because the, the inside the office building, down the stairs, like the cubicles and the ceiling tiles, all kind of mirror the building windows and the the city from above that you see a lot of really cool force, force perspective it's, and, and it, it's all a little bit dizzy when you're looking at it. Uh, I'll also give it a 7.5, 7.58 8 right in there. I'm going to give this cover B a 9.5. Cover B is amazing. Especially in the context of the issue. Yeah. I think it's Fraser Irving too. Because I didn't realize what was going on with cover B until I'd read the issue. Yeah. yeah. You can't really. Yeah. I didn't think it was a good cover until he's, I'd read it. He's a quarter inch from the pavement on that <laughs> yeah. cover. Mm-hmm. So good. That is Frazier. Yeah, and I love the wow. speed lines there. Yeah. Um, I just want to take a second. Roman and I both read Avengers number five by Jason Aaron, uh, Ed McGinnis, and Paco Medina, and and Mark Morales. Um, this is a book that <laughs> I dropped after issue number one. It was so close in tone to Justice League at that point, and uh, I just wasn't into the art. Roman, you kept up with it. I just stopped in with this issue. What did you think of this? This is my favorite issue so far. Um, starting with the cover, I love this crazy Kirby cover. A celestial giant Kirby hand reaching for the Ghost Rider's car. Captain America's leaning out the window and he's right behind, and his hand is like right up kind of almost as he's blocking Ghost Rider's mm-hmm. flame and he's Cap's looking out the window going, it's just crazy. It's so goofy. And this issue, the, I mean, it changes the whole origin of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. They've it- got, because unlike the, what Kirby established, that the Celestials came here to experiment with early humans' DNA and created the Eternals and the Deviates and, and regular humans. No, it turns out the first Celestial came to Earth because it was falling through the cosmos because it's infected with this thing called the Horde, and it was dying, died on the Earth. Its carcass ended up in the ocean, and its infection spread into the forming Earth and into the ocean, and led to, among other things, the creation of metahumans. And we humans are basically the expression of this horde DNA mixed with celestial DNA put into the sort of primordial building blocks yeah. of a, a birthing planet. And so we are connected to celestials, but also this infection. So we are an infection. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And Loki has brought the 
other, what are they called? The dark celestials, whatever they're called, the fifth host. Yeah. Um, to Earth to to finish us off, basically. Um, being Loki, and, and there's just some great. The only negatives I had with it is I don't think Jason Aaron and I love his writing, but I don't think he really kind of captures Doctor Strange or Cap very well. I totally agree. There's a couple characters in here that. As difficult as it is for me to say about one of my favorite writers in the world, there are characters in here that I don't think he's got a very good grasp on the voice for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one moment in particular when Cap's talking to Ghost Rider, he, Ghost Rider says he's being a smart ass, and he's, no, that's Stark. I'm the hard ass. I was like, no, that sounds like too much like Ultimate Cap. And that's also, not... <laughs> like, I don't really even care about Tony Stark. I think it's just, that's a character I just don't care about. I, I He's not somebody I want to read because I don't really like the Robert Downey Jr. Mm. character. I can't separate him from that in my mind. I don't want to read an entitled, rich kind of jerk. I don't know. It, it's, I, I realized reading this issue, I just don't really care too much about Iron Man. Really? But yeah, I, 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 I still give the issue uh, a 7.5, and it would be easily an 8 if Paco Medina had done all the art. But, like, the Ed McGinnis stuff, I just, I really don't care for that style. Everyone looks very much the same to me. They have short, wide heads. Um... It's just not an art style that I dig. Also go seven point seven point five. The last the last page is just awesome, goofy Marvel cosmic stuff where we've got four Avengers that are celestial size for various reasons. <laughs> and they're about to fight the other celestial the dark celestials and it's awesome. Gideon <laughs> Falls, number five. Mm. I call it GF number five. It's gluten free. P D. Oh. Whoa. P D. I didn't notice the that. cover as the is the an island village uh, whose oh. plot makes it look spelled GFPD because it's the police officer head at this issue. Oh, it is. All of these covers have been like plots of land that when you get really high up and look down and look at like the face of one of the characters. This book is still really good. Still really mm-hmm. good and very effective uh, at being pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh you should take it away, Jeff, because it's this. This is your book. It's not. It is. You're the Jeff Lemire guy. This I'm is your writer. I'm the Jeff writer. Lemire guy. I'm the horror guy. But this is this is way more psychological than than just straight up horror. Well, yeah. I mean, it, this sort of uh, is a, a connective tissue issue. Um, <laughs> Say that. Uh-huh. I played bass for a connective tissue issue <laughs> in uh, junior high. And it doesn't have quite as many like amazing pages as that last issue did, but it still has some really cool stuff, particularly pages that start and almost are told vertically upwards to down. So like you have three pages next to each other, but it's almost like they should have been stacked on top of one another mm-hmm. um, the ways the, the backgrounds line up. Mm. It's cool. We've got I didn't our, notice that. That's awesome. It's, it's it happens throughout it a lot. That's and really cool. It made me want to just have a version of it that has pages flipped down. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, this panel here is his face mirrored in. Like, Upside there's, down, yeah. there's some really, really cool stuff that goes on. Uh, just like he goes through a, a hypnosis scene and they're sort of exploring his subconscious. Uh, I didn't, I didn't love that part as much as I love some aspects of the story. Kind of in that, like, I also am not super into like psychedelic drug or subconscious scenes. Yeah. I if it's done well, I like it more and I th- I think this was done pretty well. Uh but it's it's still it's it's a stressful book to read. I got just sort of anxious halfway through it and went on my own little sort of anxiety trip and then remembered like, "Oh, you're reading a comic book. 
this is all good. We're hanging out in the comic shop with all the lights <laughs> off in the morning. And I was like, even before I started reading this, I was like, I'm excited. It was like 8.30 and I was like, I'm going to read this and it's dark and I'm alone and I bet I'm going to be creeped out by the end of it. And then I got halfway through it and was really creeped out and didn't... Oh, dang it, it worked. Yeah, I know. Like, my plan worked. But uh, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, as a side note. You know what I really like about this book? And I it didn't connect for me until this issue, but there are points in the story where there's something that they want to draw your attention to. So they'll draw a red circle or square around it. And... Another theme throughout this book is like the crazy guy murder board with red, red circles and yeah. string going from one thing to another. You're totally right. And like I, th- that didn't land for me until halfway through this issue, and they've been doing it the whole time. But but like you really at times it's so like hard to distinguish whether it's the background. What I thought as yeah. I was reading this is who is giving all of these people red pens? Like <laughs> there are a lot of red pens and, and red schizophrenic <laughs> notes. Yeah. But you're totally right. I actually had the a moment in this particular issue where I thought I could have done without that one. When they go into the field and there's just the plot of grass where the barn would have been uh-huh. and they draw a red circle around them, I think that that page oh. actually would have been even nicer to just illustrate how small they were and what this plot of land was if they hadn't done that. That's real nitpicky because... Yeah, I th- that... that jumped out at me also, but I realized that I wouldn't have been able to pick them out of that picture without that key. Yeah. And and it really is like on the facing page, they show you what, like they zoom into it. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah, things are just getting weirder and scarier and... Uh, and better. Strange bedfellows and cool blam sound effects and panels. <laughs> the blam and, was very good. Man, I, I give this an eight. Yeah. Good good comic booking, guys. I'd give this one an 8. I think I'd give the last one an 8.5. Roman, what do you think of this thing? Man, and, and I just, one of those those red squares, there's the door in the top of his skull that on the facing page, he's facing the door as it opens. I'll give it an 8, yeah. This is such a good series. It's it's. I'm wondering now, with all the red circles and everything, so who's... Who's observing all this and making these notations and everything? I like other, I mean, I other than us, the reader. I didn't really think about that kind aspect of, of it, and now I really like that. Yeah. yeah, and it could be the writer who's guiding us through, or it could be even someone be beyond the writer. I think everyone should check this book out. I think it's mm-hmm. very effective at being a scary book, which not often do books really hit me as being very scary. Um, but it also is just really good comic booking. It's Jeff Lemire, so it's great character work. It's Every aspect of this uh, is doing something a little bit different and more progressive than most things are. So it's I, a really good use of Andrea Sorrentino, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Roman? You know what we could do? What? We could offset it. If you guys it. are too scared, <laughs> why don't you talk about My Little Pony, Ponyville Mysteries? I'm not sure why you guys are reading this. I wasn't here when that was decided. Um, I think it was pretty much just because this little pony, this gumshoe pony, is like stepping on a candy bar. Yeah, and so it's, all it's, over, it's all over her uh, hoof. It's a little gumshoe. <laughs> uh, Ponyville Mysteries, number three, written by Christina Rice, art by Agnes Garbowska, colors by Heather Breckel, because there are a lot of colors in here. There are. It's very colorful. Gosh, I started working here a little over five years ago now. That was kind of right in the, the brony boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was working here when that comic series started, and I've sort of seen a large population come to it, flock to it, uh, and then unflock. Is that that's a horse? Or... Is that a horse thing? I don't, well, know. I don't think it's a flock of horses. Well, there are horses that have feathers. 
Wings. Thank you. Sure, that works. Um, and I, I guess uh, Roman <laughs> and I have Pegasuses. just... We've well, there's Pegasuses in here. Five um, years having casual conversations <laughs> about these ponies, and we've both checked in on the book at different times. This seemed like yeah. as good a week as any to check in with our pony pals. Good as we can, because the whole thing of Ponyville mysteries, how can you resist that? It's, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like the Scooby in the and game. And it has a bunch of ponies. old ponies in it, too, so we were excited about the old ponies. Yeah, and ponies. apparently these are a troop of young ponies that are in the, the Philly Scouts, or And it's not the ponies that I know. It's not our yeah. Twilight Sparkle, yeah, Rainbow Apple Dash, Jack. Apple Jack. You know. Though Applejack does appear in this in one panel. So it's cookies. not. It's like Apple Bloom, wasn't it? Well, Apple Apple Blossom is, Apple Blo- is, okay. is like one of the young, okay. the cults. So I think that we've moved cults? on to a new <laughs> cult of ponies. Cults are only male, though, right? Fowls. Foals. Yeah, foals. Yeah, foals is a term for a young pony. So <laughs> somebody has been burning down parts of the retirement home. Yeah. And these three young pony pals decide to figure out who the fuck is burning down yeah. our old po- old pony home. And but luckily, the home wasn't burned down. It, there was a fire, but people weren't hurt. It wasn't. It was just charred. It wasn't burned down. You mean ponies weren't hurt? Ponies yeah. weren't hurt. Well, that's the other thing is every time they say like huh. everybody, it's replaced by every pony. Or at some point they say, "Well, and that almost got out of hand." But instead of they say this, that almost got out of hoof. <laughs> and do you think they do a search and replace after they write the script? I don't know. That's a good idea. Know. Actually, I didn't think about that, but I bet that is how they do it. I was wondering because it. it, it's cute, though it it can almost start getting a little like, is every pony okay? And I was thinking, you know, or some. Or they say a security person, um, but it's, we'll get a security pony or something. It's like, you know, we don't say, let's get a security human in here when we're talking about ourselves. My <laughs> we just say one. My favorite part of this issue was they're in the old folks' home, and they're trying to interview one of these ponies that's playing uh, shuffleboard. And after they they're sort of interrupt this conversation for long enough, uh, one of the people in the background is just a background text bubble says, come on, this... This board's not. This board's not going to shuffle itself. And <laughs> yeah, he's waving. Yeah. he's waving his fist. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty adorable. And uh, and the bottom of that page, we get those. We get the Marx Brothers appear, except they're ponies. It's basically they're having their little pony camp out at the beginning, and they make these things called sum yums. They're definitely like s'mores, and it's. Uh, you toast prickly pear and you put it on chocolate and then put that on vanilla wafers. And what they find out in one of the burnt rooms is that somebody had put prickly pear and peanut butter over a fire. And what they know is that peanut butter and prickly pear is what some yums used to be made out of yeah. in the old days of the Philly Club. So they realized the it's first an troop. old Philly member troop. And it was just somebody trying to relive their youth, and they accidentally started a fire. And then that person, they start having some yum monthly throwbacks where they all make some yums with peanut butter and the regular stuff. That's a pretty good solution to not solve a crime and get anybody in trouble. They didn't get anybody in trouble. Yeah, they yeah. Gave hey, in trouble. Hey, good all, thing all, nobody got hurt. Everything's going to be okay. Don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah no pony got hurt. Mm-hmm. So it was... Uh, you know, why don't you re- why don't you give us a score as Jeff and as seven year old Jeff? Okay, nine year old Jeff. <laughs> I have a hard time because my just my regular self probably would give this a higher score <laughs> than because it's cute and it's well done and it's good for kids and it's not insulting to kids and no. it's got some funny stuff and it's not aiming super low. I would give it like a seven. All right. Like a 7 or a 7.5. I think that a boy or a girl aged 4 to 9 could enjoy the pants off this thing. Enjoy the, the ponies out of it. 
Don't look at me. The I'm writing. Sorry. Don't judge me. The writing crop. This book could have used a writing crop. <laughs> I don't think you want to say that about a children's book, Jeffrey. Sorry, it's so hot. <laughs> what do you give it, Roman? Uh, much the same way. What did he just give it? Well, it, As, it he gave I, it a seven. I, I, I give it. A, I, I give it a solid seven. I think nine-year-old me was. I think nine-year-old me was too much into. I wouldn't have read this. Because I would have been too much at that point. Like, nope, Justice League, Batman, Spider-Man. I ain't reading some kitty book about ponies. But as an adult, as a 36-year-old, this was a lot of fun. There's a lot of... It's not quite as clever, I think, as the main pony book. But that's got a lot of little clever sides kids are never going to get. This doesn't do that as much. But there's some artistic stuff, like the shuffleboard player. And the and this person using a push mower, and he's got like a he's got a hayseed in his mouth and everything. There's just all the cute little asides that weren't necessary, but, but they're nice. Roman loves push mowers. He does. I, do I, I, push I almost bought him two push mowers at a garage sale this week. <laughs> two of them. Two Dude of them. They had two them. of them. They said they loved them. I said, I got, I got somebody who mows my lawn now. Oh, that's true. You've moved. I moved to a, to a place. I'm a kept man. Hey. <laughs> so, the magic order. <laughs> Mark Millar. Olivier Coipel. What are you laughing at? Number two. I don't know. I just I remembered a joke from earlier. Oh. Django, <laughs> um, tell me about this book. Oh, boy. Lots of people die in this book. It starts out with a, a really cool... <sighs> yeah. Origin story. <laughs> really cool. Of this woman. And it, it definitely puts us smack dab in the middle of magic exists in this world. She was uh, the baby of her father's mistress, and they decided to get an abortion. And she, as a little tiny fetus, wouldn't let that happen and defended herself magically and... Instinctually. Instinctually put herself in the womb of the doctor who was performing the abortion. <laughs> and... Wow. That's fucked. Yeah. It's like... Heavens to Betsy. So this book reminds me... That's page two, by yeah. the way. <laughs> this book reminds me very much of Harry Potter. Yeah. In that it is... But with more abortions. Yeah. And murders. <laughs> yeah. And murders. Well, there's a lot of murder in Harry. Um, no, it's it's like such a well-conceptualized and history for a... And the way that Harry Potter is just so... Everything that happens kind of makes you have more questions about how, like, well, how did that happen because it feels like the author understood and lived in that world. Mm -hmm. This book is very much like that. It's There's just all these items that make you think about a different thing, reference a moment in the past that you want to know the story of. Uh, over and over <coughs> again at one point, you know, there, there's this item that uh, an entity that was you know trapped in a jar because there's a fourth dimensional chrono devourer and it ate all of October one year and it's just like what and does that mean? By the time mean? they got him back in the bottle, they had turned ninety. Yeah, like I want to know that story even <clears throat> though it's basically ep ep issue eight of All Star Superman or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah, there's just a ton of moments that give you a glimpse into this much larger world that you want to know about. And the art is gorgeous and the characters' voices are great and I love this little girl that they introduce that. You know, is part of this magician family. Uh, I loved her magic trick it. Yeah, in high school where she jumps off the roof of the school into a burning pit of oil. And the, the principal's like, oh, my God, we're going to fucking yeah. jail. And yeah. she's totally fine because she's magic. And just like this kid who shouts, the fiery pit of death, ladies and gentlemen, as he yeah. throws a match on the... On the uh, 
And it, as, as I saw that, I could just picture the kid get excited when he realized during recess that he was the one that got to yell that, you know? Like, it's just yeah. everything fit. You know, they get invited. This one wizard gets invited to this meeting place, and it's this painting in a museum that you walk into, but you can only get in there with a formal invitation, and it takes you to this big castle. Like, it's very Harry Potter without feeling like a ripoff of that at all, but just in terms of how well-developed everything is, it everything made me want more of this, and I love the character design of the villain. But then just, like, layer on top of that, really, like, the probably some of the most messed up Mark Miller stuff that we've seen. And, I mean, I've... It's pretty high up there. all of his stuff. This is, this is top tier. That's a terrible way to die. That's a terrible way to die. Nemesis, That's a horrifying Nemesis way to be Nemesis will always take the cake for me. Sure. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, that was, that was pretty solid. Too. Yeah, very good. And it's... It's just awesome, and the bad guy's character design is great, and they put you right into the middle of this big family story with all these connections. One complaint. Six issues. Is it only six issues? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's, That's a bummer. Uh, I mean, I believe it. When was the last time you did more than six yeah, issues? Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, no, the thing that bummed me out was just that really, really easy to make the first two characters that you kill off black characters. I don't know. Oh, yeah, just like both of those people huh. that killed off. Like I don't, I don't know what that means to complain about. But I have had in movies and things brought up lately where somebody will just be like, "Wow, they did kill off all the black characters," and it has just made me realize, like, yeah, it would have been really easy to make that person white, and, or you know, I, I don't know. Not also, one of them's a gay dude and the other one's a woman. Yeah. So I don't think Mark Millar's got any negativity about any type of person in his writing or in his life at all, but it does just sort of highlight the ease with which people write stories where that is what happens. And Yeah, um, yeah especially it's, I mean, I think Ebert years ago made up some kind of, I forgot what he called them, <clears throat> but some of his rules of movie going or, or rule or over, overdone things in movies that he had actual names for and it was always like, okay, black person shows up, they're going to die. Yeah. In, in like in the horror movies especially. And I guess that that's what frustrates me. It's like it's so well known at this point that yeah. I feel like people should work harder. Yeah, it's to like red shirt in Star Trek. It's like oh. Yeah. Like we just <laughs> met on. these two characters in this issue and then they're dead by the end of it. And I could hear you know, I could hear people I know being uh, pointing that out as and so I that registered to me. Um, the other thing that registered to me as I was reading this while I was thoroughly enjoying this issue was that I have no interest in watching this Netflix show. <laughs> And oh, it's right. just that I don't oh, think I would care about the story. I don't want to see any of these scenes portrayed as a television show. And I don't know what that really... I just don't value the television medium as much as I appreciate comic books. But I just was just like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't really want to watch this. Okay, when, but... When oh, is sorry. the show coming out? Is it, is it, are they going to do the six issues and then the show? I don't, I don't even know if it's this story that the show is. Maybe, oh. the, story, maybe the show is different what characters. The show different is time. them assembling that room of, of baubles. And so that would be we're awesome. going to see the chrono eater, and we're going to see where they got that uh, browning camera that steals your soul that yeah. the guy gets crushed in. And like, see how all that stuff happened, like a little Monster of the Week X Files. Kind of what they're doing with the Watchmen series that's starting. Is that what they're doing? Is it's all, like, not the story. It's things surrounding yeah. the story. Well, that seems like that would be the best idea for something like this. I maybe think... maybe he's doing it like uh, Jupiter's 
So you have Jupiter's Legacy and, and Jupiter's Legacy 2, and those bookend the entire series, and there's Jupiter's Circle, and it's Jupiter's Circle 2 in the middle. So maybe yeah. they're doing the Magic Order, and then we're going to get a TV show, and then we're going to get a Magic and Order I, wrap up. I hope that's what he does. But this whole thing feels so cinematic that I could just see every mm-hmm. single panel as a shot in the TV, and like when the newspaper ad switches to be a personal communication, I could see the Netflix scene, like... I hope that that's not the case. I hope mm-hmm. that what you're, you know, but I, I could also see the very easy act of just trying to turn this into a TV show, and I, yeah. I don't care about that. Uh, I would give this uh, an eight. I'm gonna give it a nine. A nine. I like the art a lot. I like the world a lot. I like the character design a lot, and I like the cover to issue three a lot. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you see the ad for the other Netflix show? In the back? No. Disenchantment. Oh, that's the new Simpsons show. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a Netflix one. What the hell? It's Haley. What the Haley? Mm-hmm. You're making me high with butterflies in the Bailey. Bailey. <laughs> Bailey. Roman just did his Bailey arms from the WWE. Do we need to review another thing? Or do we need to <sighs> check our voicemail? I think we need to review... One more thing, but it's not a group thing. I just need Roman to tell me about the life and times of Captain Marvel. Issue number one, uh, written by Marguerite Stoll, art by P- Carlos Pacheco. I'll be glad to, because I love Shazam. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, this is Marvel, Captain Marvel. So I didn't read this because I, in the last you know, big Marvel event, they just turned Captain Marvel into a real fascist asshole. Oh yeah, and uh, Secret Empire. Secret Empire. Yeah, it's a it's a Marvel crossover tradition, Jeff. Well, it's just such a bummer that they turned this character that has had a lot of years of really great stories, and they turn her into this like basically Tony Stark during the original Civil War. Didn't yeah. they do that to her in the second Civil War also? Well, she wasn't around in the first one, but, but maybe was... Civil War and Secret Empire. She was doing it like yeah. there was a, basically a whole year there where. She was kind of a bad guy. I don't remember what she did in Secret Empire, but in Civil War too. yeah, she was the one that was all... Okay, so maybe it was pro... more Civil War, and those just came out within the same year. And so yeah, and she, and, she, and she was leading the charge to maybe even kill that inhuman that was yeah. predicting things. Yeah. And it's just like, she just became a character that I didn't like, didn't want to support, didn't want to read, and now she's the next big movie, so there's a big push around her. So yeah. my bullshit, my bias prevented me from reading this. Thank goodness it didn't stop you. What'd you think? It, it almost prevented me, because I felt the same way, and you know I liked Carol Danvers originally, her character, but yeah, the last few years I didn't care. I, I read this basically, uh, I didn't like the cover even. I read it because I kind of felt obligated. You didn't like uh, that cover? I like the art I, I Oh, the other cover's good. Oh, the other, there's another <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah, I don't like some of these covers just because she's so, like, kind of vaguely manga model face. Hmm. And that's not military Carol Danvers. That I, that's how, not how I think of her. The art inside isn't like that. So, yeah, it's uh, in the middle of a battle. The Avengers notice that she is in full-on rage beating the crap out of Moonstone and this other villain... And they call her on it and say, uh, what's going on? you got some rage problems here. What? I tooted. Oh. <laughs> um, um, Captain America's like, Jeff, you really shouldn't toot during battles. <laughs> Podcast battles. <laughs> I'm sorry. But even she, even, and this is set a little bit in the past, so it's She-Hulk still. And she's even like, wow, yeah, there's, you've got some rage problems. Um, 
And then she'll, she takes a sabbatical, and we kind of get some memories, some flashbacks to her childhood. Her dad was alcoholic abuser jerk. She has some brothers that I didn't know about. So is this series seem like it's mostly like flashbacks, or what was the big it's, what it's, was the big thing here? It's the life of Captain Marvel. It's yeah, flashbacks. Why she is the way she is now. Her the emotions she hasn't dealt with from her childhood, um, which she makes a big point a few times in here about how she doesn't like dealing with emotions. Um, it was it was pretty good actually. I like the way they handled it. She goes home, hangs out with her mom and her brother. There's an accident that involves her brother that, ends, that necessitates her staying at home more often, taking a leave from the Avengers. And there's a little science fiction, little mystery at the end here that may have to do with her unrevealed things about her origin. Okay. So, yeah, it was pretty, and it was well-written. The stuff about her father, I was surprised that was pretty well-written. There's, It was interesting. I'm actually going to read the next issue. The writer is a novelist or, or something. Yeah. She's... she's you know, yeah. I don't know if it's a young adult who has author been, or what. Yeah, who I guess has been writing Captain Marvel previously, the previous Captain Marvel series. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, Margie. Margaret Stoll, I think. Yeah, Margaret Stoll. And who drew it? Uh, oh, we said, I forget. We Did said we? it, but I forgot who was to. it? I'll just rewind the tape. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm always a little skeptical of when a movie gets advertised and then they're like, we need a de facto origin graphic novel for a shop to sell. And... I like that they do that, but it also doesn't feel super organic, and and therefore I don't necessarily want to get into the writer's head and sort of feel what compelled them to write this story. It seems like money or editorial compelled them to write it. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was worried about. There seems to be a, there's more thought than that in this, but I think it is the reason that the co this comic exists. But the only thing I really like about it was that Tony Stark, she's got some he examines her medically, and I was like. Yeah. Why isn't the beast doing this or somebody that's actually like a medical more a medical doctor? Um, uh, is Beast in the movies, Roman? No. Tony Stark is in the movies. Oh, that was okay. My head kind of <laughs> went to like movies. maybe in the two Civil Wars, Civil War One and Civil War Two. In Civil War Two, she basically was the Tony Stark character. Yeah. So by putting Tony Stark in this not as the negative person and having him interact with her, it sort of also lowers her, va like her associating her with a negative antagonist role, I, I feel like. Huh. It sort of turns her as less of an anomaly in terms of being a, 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 a bad guy and sort of humanized. I don't know. I yeah, think by maybe, because didn't they have a, I mean, didn't she have a falling out with basically everybody? Yeah. Yeah, because so, an he, and, and here they're buddies with her again. Right. So, yeah. So, so that. What do you give it? Uh, I'll give I'll give it a I'll give it a six six point five. Nice. Okay. So now I think that we should sing happy or no wait no buckshots. We, we buck sang happy birthday. We, let's Can we check shot. voicemails? Let's do quick back. Let's do quick Berk back. Let's get some back Um, you know for. Uh... We're gonna have to check and see if you can actually use that happy birthday song. We might have to cut that. I definitely don't want. We might just have to do a like a minute long ha. censor bleep. Why, why would we have to cut? The song? That would be pretty. Somebody owns that song. Pretty fun. But yeah, fun. but everybody. Does. No, that's got to be in the creative. Everybody comments. does happy it birthday. It hasn't been. There, there was a huge lawsuit about it about two years ago. Really. And it, it was big news that now you could use it, and then there was uh, an appeal, 
and I don't know where that where it ended up. So it, you no might one's not filing be lawsuits to. for the perfectly acceptable podcast because it's perfectly acceptable. They were filing lawsuits against Mexican restaurants who were singing. That, that was just what they now? sang in my Rancho Chico growing up. Oh, Django, you've got a minute and a half. Go. Oh God, I read Kick Ass uh, by Mark Miller and John Romita Jr. Number six. That was pretty good, actually. It's the end of an arc. Um, it sets the character up as kind of the uh, big kingpin in the in the underground. Uh, the next arc starts with Steve Niles and Marcelo Mar- Marcelo Frusen. I'm excited for that. Uh, I like both of them. I read, jeez, uh, I read Analog number four, Gary Duggan and uh, O'Sullivan. I like this series a lot. Every time I think that it's going to slow down and get kind of lame, they reveal some new thing. It's almost like they planned that. It's, uh, yeah, good good exploration of what happens after the cloud is gone. Skyward number four is pretty good, and it was kind of the same thing. I got almost to the end of the issue, and I was like, man, they're not showing me anything new about this world, and I'm more interested in the world than the characters, like... Either, either give me something big and bombastic with the characters or give me something really cool with the world. And the last page, they give us a storm, and it's really, really cool. I also read Wildstorm, number 15, Earthonauts, number one, The Weatherman, number two, Justice League, number four, and Old Man Hawkeye, number seven. There wasn't a bad one in there. Earthonauts is probably at the bottom of that list, and Wildstorm's probably at the top. But, uh, man, comics were just straight up good this week. I'm going to give Kick-Ass a 7.5, I'm going to give Analog a 7.5, and and I'm going to give Skyward a 7 for this issue. Maybe even a a 6.5, but I feel bad because I like like the book in the series. This one just wasn't quite as awesome. I just want to not waste my seconds with addressing this issue, which is, Django, you're a good man. You're a great guy. I don't don't know what you're talking about. You're a good man. You do good things. You bring a lot of positivity to all the lives around you. Um, I will be talking about euthanots, though, and I don't want to waste my seconds saying that it's not Earthonauts, it's Euthanauts, because it's the exploration oh, of death. I said that the other day, too, when I came in, huh? A lot of times. Earthonauts. Euthanauts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's about the kids? You're a good man. I don't know where this is coming from. Euthanasia is like... You're up for something, Well, no, like, Jeff. euthanasia is, like, you know, eradicating a bunch of youth is... <laughs> e- E-U-T-H is Latin, probably, Roman? Yeah, euthanasia means to put to death. So euthanauts are the explorers of the afterlife. Uh, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm gonna cut this out. Here's the thing. Oh, don't. Do you think that my, do you think my ego is so fragile? No. <laughs> that I can't handle misreading a word. I just over like and you. Over and over. Here's here's what it is. As I hate when people correct small grammatical mistakes in myself. Roman spent like three years doing that and he finally I know finally and just I still want to do it, but but I don't. He would correct me all the time and I was always like, I don't fucking care. And he finally just kind of stopped doing it. Uh, I don't so I don't like when people do it to me. I don't like doing it. But I do also think that the premise of this book, which is the first one that I'm gonna talk about, I think does lean on the fact that it's that title. 
Jeff, so I just tell not, us about Earthonauts. So it's got not a that I <laughs> feel like you have a fragile ego, Django. It's just that I think you're so great, and I just like you a lot. Uh, this is Euthanauts number one. It's the new Shelley Bond imprint at IDW imprint. Fuck. Uh, written by uh, Teeny Howard. Uh, Nick Robles does the art in it. Um, Euthanauts. The art was pretty good in it, and I did not like the protagonist. But it's an interesting idea of a character who watches somebody who's clearly near death in a bar and stared too long, and then goes to the bathroom, and the person who was about to die comes in and starts a conversation with her and then basically hits her over the head with her oxygen tank and almost kills her. And it's actually that she's, like, maybe a scientist or something, and she has created some understanding about what death actually is and there's some really good conversation about um, some Jungian concept of consciousness, some Freud concepts of consciousness, ego, ego, not an ego, think Freud, not self-love. Some good conversation that you can almost just feel a writer had these conversations in their head and then was really happy to have a premise to kind of get them out. Uh, the art's real nice. The protagonist is I don't like. Uh, and it was almost enough that I... The book itself was better than this character, and I was sort of angry that the character was the main character. Um, but there's some gorgeous art going on, and it's a cool idea. There's They've got a lot of cool theorizing around this concept of how we could explore death. So a real good book. I liked reading it. I'm not sure if I'll read the next one. Do you think they're going to go back to Earth in the next one? <laughs> Earthonauts <laughs> journey to the center of the earth. <laughs> the youth. The center of the journey so to the center I of the didn't, youth. I didn't have a problem with the character. I didn't. I thought she made some really bad choices in Friends. I just thought she was an asshole. Like, she was a judgmental asshole. She was not kind of this person who was near death. She was super self involved. She didn't like her friends, but she still hung out with them. It was her piercings, huh? I liked the piercings. She just. I didn't respect her. I didn't like her. She didn't make me laugh. There was, it was just, she was the kind of person, it's for the same reason that I don't, I've never been able to get into It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, I just don't like those characters. Yeah. Uh, I have a hard time digging on them. So, so maybe when you called me a nice guy, you were really projecting that on yourself, Hey, Jeffrey. Django, listen, I goof on you all the time. I just want to make it known that I really think you're a wonderful man. Don't trust him, ladies and gentlemen. He's... He's got something up his up his evil sleeve. I don't. I just like Django, and I tease him more often than I say it. So You're making me blush. Sure. You're a good boy, Django. And I, I, I love you. And I trust you, though it is pronounced goofy. Goof. <laughs> he made a goof joke. He got mad at me last week on my usage of the word goof, and he's like, well, that's not a goof. It wasn't a goof. Wait, it wasn't I don't, I don't remember funny. This. It was a mistake. What was it in? I, I don't was, even remember it. I was talking about my goof. That was that wasn't me. That was Braden. No, it was like I made this funny goof, and you're like, "Oh, it was for the cake pun that I made." You're like, "That's not a goof. It was just a joke." And I was, and you're like, "That's <laughs> not how the word." Joke. Yeah, I know. I had to tell him. I was like, "Goof is like, you know, I'm using a goof. I was making a joke. You're like, goof means mistake. It's not a mistake." I was like, "The mistake was part of the joke." And I crossed the. Anyway, it's pronounced goofe. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember this anyway. I found and, out today and the, from Justin, you know, our French buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's his birthday me. today. Actually. It's his birthday today, and and while I was talking to him earlier, he corrected me on the correct pronunciation of that new um, Black Crown Shelley Bond book, Euthanauts. No, it was it was the one that uh, Brian K. Vaughn wrote and put out recently, Ex the Sideways Machina? one. Barrier. Barrier. No, it's Barrier. Barrier. <laughs> Barrier. Barrio. 
That was a lot of That's setup. That's Mario's pretty bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was not a good goof. It was for Justin. Right. It's not a goof. That was a mistake. It wasn't a good goof, eh? <laughs> our, our heads are firmly up our own asses at this point. Hey, Roman, what would you do with 90 seconds if they were all just your 90 seconds? Let's find out now. Go. Oh man, it would involve some lube. Oh! <laughs> Oh, oh, um, Mage, the show denied number 10. This a bondage such, joke. Wow, this is such a great series. It, it's just so interesting, Matt Wagner's, this is the third part of his Mage trilogy, and he writes them like 15, 20 years apart between each hero, verb, whatever. Um, and he and his character has aged the same amount that Matt Wagner has aged. Right. So, so in each one, our main character here, he's, he's a dad, um, Dealing with life stuff, plus still having the powers, the Arthurian powers of Excalibur. And they're still on the run. His wife and son have been kidnapped by the evil witch. He's trying to find them. Him and his daughter are trying to find them. And it's just fun how the the imprisoned mom and son are cooperating and working together to try and escape from here. It's fun how the dad and his daughter are working together and still having that parent-child relationships, but the kids are coming into their own. And the parents are kind of like, wow, you're... You're a great person. Um, really cool series. Give this an eight. Uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour number one. This, I wanted to really like it. I don't quite. Um, <laughs> it's very much, it's a supernatural series. It's a couple of supernatural investigators. They're definitely like the Nick and Nora, the Thin Man series, but it feels too precious. It's a little too forced in their dialogue. But if you're a fan of Nick and Nora Charles from the Thin Man, you may really dig this. I'd give it a five. I'm really happy that we got complaints about that initial buzzer because I think that song is so charming. I wake up it's thinking about soothing. that song. It's so good. Really? Yeah, I feel like I have to stop reviewing things. That's what he does while he's sleeping. Uh-huh. I review comics in my sleep. Let's let's just really briefly check in with our bad guy. Um, we don't yeah, need to spend man. too much time on this because we talk about every issue of it, but I just want to see if he's doing okay since he got stood up at the altar. I don't think he's doing super Spoiler well. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Bruce ain't good. Uh, Lee Weeks is doing the art on this. Still Tom King, of course. Episode 51, issue 51. Um, Elizabeth Breitweiser, our favorite colorist. Quickly it becoming. It looked so much like Killer Be Killed. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Mr. Freeze, Batman beat the shit out of him. But now he's been called in for jury duty, so Dick Grayson is filling in as Batman, and Bruce Wayne has to do jury duty stuff. Braden pointed out to me today how much this references 12 Angry Men, and I didn't realize that. But even okay. down to the beginning of the conversation where the woman says, it's cold in here. Like that, oh. I loved that book. We read it in high school, and then we watched the movie, and I really liked the movie, and I watched it again like five years ago. Apparently, Braden was really into that, and he watched the movie a lot. Huh. So apparently, there is a lot of 12 Angry Men in this, which becomes very clear when Bruce is the only person to say that he thinks Mr. Freeze is innocent mm -hmm. and Batman is guilty, which is an interesting twist. I think, above all, it's the art is gorgeous, but it's really interesting to me to do a 12 Angry Men reference in this. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I guess I thought that... that I've never seen it or read it. It's really oh, good. That good. that jumped into my head on the title page mm -hmm. when it when it shows everybody in the place, and I don't know why. Um, I really liked how just through the action and through the the setup of the story, 
you see how messed up Bruce is yeah. over Catwoman leaving. I don't think they even mention it once. Mm-hmm. But if you know that that's what happened last issue, like you you understand why he's why he went crazy on Freeze, why he feels like he needs to atone for that. Like why he freaks out and, and smashes a sink in the bathroom, which feels to me like a good way to tell people you're Batman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, that <laughs> is going to seem like you're Batman, but thank God we have Dick Grayson who can pretend to be Batman. I don't I don't have a ton to say about the issue. I, I do really like it. I'm really glad uh, Lee Weeks and uh, Elizabeth Brightweiser are doing the art on it because I think that's a, a great tonal thing. There are two or three times where it references the Elmer Fudd Batman cover in side posters and when people bring Tom King that issue uh, at conventions he draws a face on Batman so Lee Weeks goes so far as to put that cover with a hand drawn face on Batman on the wall in the issue oh there it is yeah in one of the dead women's uh, rooms (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) and he does it more than once in here it's in here a couple times so I think that's awesome so good for Tom King for wow. and Lee Weeks for making an ongoing joke like that. I would say Lee Weeks is is quickly becoming like one of my top ten favorite working artists. He's if he had a wider body to <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to like sort of gain comparisons on, I think that well, I, he's it, been around for a while, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and done, I haven't read a bunch of the old stuff. Oh, yeah, he's done tons of Daredevil and yeah, and I I don't <laughs> think that he had this distinct of a style although maybe did he do some of the Gotham GCPD with Michael Lark I think he I think he he and Michael Lark worked on that book together I don't know I don't know I he the the design in this issue and the way he he gets emotion across just with angles you'd almost hear the when they go when they show you this overhead view of the Twelve angry not men, but also women, and the, like the loneliness and the unease he's got in the hotel, just like from the zoomed-in nature. Of, I don't know. It's I don't know. He's he's killing it. Yeah, I would give this issue an eight, and I'll bet that by the time we read part two, it's going to be an eight and a half. Yeah, I think I might just make it an eight point five now. I, I, <laughs> Look at you, hey, Mr. Why don't Mr. Clarifying button, button, button out of that shirt there. I'm gonna, and I'm just, gonna. Uh, own up. Eight point five. <laughs> My Woman? shirt is down to my belly button, Jeff, for you. I know. And for Justin. It's his birthday, after all. Oh, well, I better do another one. Oh! <laughs> Happy birthday, Jay Clip. Things are very, <laughs> very hot and salty in here. Hot and salty. Hey, Roman, with uh, score? For what? Batman. I haven't read it yet. Well, oh, spoiler I'm, alert. I'm very excited, though. You guys got me very excited to read Euthanauts, Batman. It's pronounced Earthanauts. <laughs> Eartha Bat. Earth and, a kid. And, and, Earth, Earth and magic a kid. order. Let's get down to the meat and the potatoes. This podcast is dance? about Justin's voicemail. Most of this conversation we've had up until now, probably going to be cut unless we do <laughs> another one of those Comics Place pack, patented hour and a half podcasts. Listen, it's a, it's a birthday special. And we do whatever we want. We, we can make yeah. these conversations. And we already said we, we were going to keep going until he arrives. That's true. Listen, so. if you don't like the length of the podcast, pause it and resume it at a later time. Or just stop listening when you get bored. That's fine, too. But we could just keep talking to each other because we do this to be buddies. And the gold is after we get them bored. Oh, yeah. 
That's it's when that you hear sign Roman's out. weird sounds. Oh, get it. Here we are, just the three of us celebrating Justin's birth with the voicemail from the little beaver. Here we are, <laughs> celebrate. Uh, this is Justin, and uh, I am a former member of the Perfectly Acceptable <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you can spell my last name, C-A-S-S-A-T-T. The double T's indicates that it is, in fact, it is in fact French and sophisticated. And I was calling because I just wanted to say I love the buckshot round. I think they're the best. And uh, there's a man that lives inside me that's really into him. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to take the buckshot and turn it towards you guys. But this time I'm fixing the pigeon hot. Uh, generator onto it that I stole from in Image Comics. So I want you guys to give me your buckshot elevator pitches for three characters that I get to pick. So Jeff, you're up first. I want you to give me your best uh, 90-second elevator pitch for a dead man comic. Roman, on to you. I'm going to go ahead and point this gun at you and fire as a tent. Actually, uh, I know what your pitch for Zantana would be. Django, over to you. You get Zantana. Boom. And Roman, <laughs> I want to hear your pitch of Metamorpho. Go. All right. Bye, guys. Holy shit. All right. We don't get time to think about this. I'm setting the timer up. I'm going to go first. Is, is this real real Dead Man Zantana and Metamorpho, or is this like our Image Comics version? Starting 90 seconds. Okay. So, Dead Man... Um, he jumps between bodies, I think, is the dead man thing. So my pitch for dead man is that he is a spirit who has bulimia. And every time he's in a body, and he the remnants of who he is causes them to th make themselves throw up every time they eat, and it throws him into a different body. So we basically have uh, an anthology series where Dead Man is traveling between bodies and he really only spends, you know, like six to seven hours in one because as soon as somebody eats, they feel possessed to throw up. But ultimately what's happening in that book is that he's building this sort of massive collective unconsciousness through all the entities that is absorbing and he becomes... Uh, basically an omnipotent being because he's passed through so many lives and he becomes a god, Justin. Da Dead man becomes a da god because of all of the throw up and the, and, and the, the swaps of the body. And he's a gymnast, though, also. And he flies around. Um, collective unconscious, anorexia, bulimia, um, insensitivity, red suit, vomit jokes, probably fart jokes, um, Dead Man. It will be written by Jeff Figley. <laughs> <laughs> Look for that in 2019. I really don't know too much about Dead Man, as it turns out. Um, Django, give me a pitch about your character. Go. All right, so I've got Zatanna. She is the daughter of Zargon, I guess? Zatara. Zatara, the daughter of Zatara. Uh, Zatara was a real magician who did actual magic in the in the 40s and 50s. Kind of fell off the stage in the 60s, um, literally or metaphorically. 
Uh, Metaphorically. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, like, right as Elvis was kind of rising, he stopped being able to do his magic. Uh, People people weren't really going to magic shows anyway, and he died, but he left behind a daughter who everyone thinks can do actual magic, uh, but she actually is just... Pulling pranks on everybody, so she's uh, she's she's cheating in all of her tricks. But because she has access to her dad's old equipment and stuff, some of the cheats that she's pulling include magical tricks. So she's not magic, but she has access to some of these magical things. Uh, Jingo, she's I like learning this. as she goes. So it's like uh, the Prestige meets um, uh, who's that? Who's that guy? That David Blaine. David Blaine. Uh, the Prestige meets David Blaine. Although I'm not convinced that David Blaine isn't a real magic guy. See, In the first issue, she decapitates David Blaine and he's dead forever. It's written right. by Mark Miller. All right. Just in case oh, you're sorry. curious. You're, you're, you're time. Uh, no, what, what do you got? <laughs> um, <laughs> as I was reading The Magic Order, I was thinking about David Blaine and I was thinking about magic and what magicians are and what the role of magicians are. And I was, I was thinking for a second that, you know, I like David Blaine because... He does things, and I'm just like, how is he doing those? He has That has to all be fake. How could he possibly do that? But that makes me realize that it is not what a person's magic is that defines what the role of the magician is. The role of the magician is to make a person wonder if magic exists or not. Mm-hmm. It's not to be doing magic. Like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's not like, can somebody do magic? It's like, what is the role of the magician? And the role of the magician is to make people wonder if magic exists. Well, Even uh, though he planted that card in that beer bottle in that bar six hours ago. He did that, but he also actually does a lot of his stuff. Like, yeah, when he stabs too. a needle through his arm, he's stabbing a needle through his arm. Yeah. He just figured out how to do it so that it's not the end of the holds world. holds his breath him. for that long. Yeah, he, he sits in ice baths and, like... He's he's doing kind of sideshow tricks, so as well uh, as magic. We're hoping to get David Blaine on the podcast for episode one hundred. Roman, what is your metamorpho story pitch? Go. My metamorpho story pitch, um, <clears throat> kind of a Grant Morrison, Alan Moore type of thing. Metamorpho, a tragedy happens. It, uh, what's what's her name? Um, Simon Stagg's daughter, I forgot her name. That he's in love with. She she gets killed. Um, metamorpho loses it. He finally decides, you know. I'm not human anymore. I lost my one connection to humanity, and he can become chemicals, all sorts of stuff. He goes up in the atmosphere and starts, he becomes the Earth's atmosphere, and he starts changing himself and starts, he, I don't know, kills off, kills off a country. Um, and of course, this upsets the Justice League. Uh, they try and reason with him. Battles ensue. Ultimately, this is leading up to, I want to see Batman trying to talk down this, this, Earth-level, Earth-altering, metamorpho, insane consciousness. I don't want to see Batman can do it. And probably get Swamp Thing worked into there because, you know, he's the green and the elements and everything. He's tied to the Earth. Uh-huh. So they end up, and they were kind of buddies once in a way. Um, what else? What else? What else? He kills Plastic Man. Oh. Oh. Well, it's tying into how they have that rivalry going on in the Terrifics right now. He finally loses it, kills him. Which is going to be upsetting because I love Plastic Man. I love Plastic Man more than Metamorpho, but it's got to be done for the story. Um, 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 um. You got ten seconds. Ten seconds. Oh my God. Uh, I would love. Who's writing it? I would love it to see Grant Morrison write. I don't know if we could get him to do it, but I'd love to see Alan Moore do it. And there's no way we can get him to do it. But 
Guys, I never thought that mine would have the most fart and throw up jokes. <laughs> uh, I don't know about Roman, but I did that on purpose. I had a bunch of fart and, and poop jokes for Zatanna, but changed it. Thanks to Man. you. Hey, listen, if you guys all want to call in and give us story pitch ideas to force us to do, I would love that bit. Yeah. So feel That's free awesome. to call in at any point in the next week and demand that we create a story pitch that we won't think about until the podcast starts. Because that's is like amalgam. Marvel versus DC. <laughs> yeah, like like where they what was the thing where they had like they just gave the creators the name of a character and they had to come up with a modern take on is a that character with that name. That's fucking cool. They were terrible, but yeah. Hey, listen, you guys, we got to get out of here. We're going long. I keep getting <clears throat> phone calls from somebody I think I'm needed somewhere. Ooh, where are they from? They're all from my girlfriend. Ah. But she usually knows that I'm recording a podcast, Don't Bother Me. Not like Don't Bother Me, but like <laughs> I'm doing this thing. So yeah. Hope everything's okay. Me too. Hope she's got both her arms. Well, Unlike shit. Homer Simpson. <laughs> no, she's got her arms. Don't worry. Okay. Well, I'm Jeff. <laughs> happy birthday, Justin. We love you. 92 weeks. We're happy that you've been with us in spirit, every single one of them. <laughs> I'm Django. And uh, if it wasn't your birthday, it would be somebody else's. <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Deep, man. Deep. Uh, uh, that's shitty. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> let me. Let me. <laughs> I'm Django, and I miss Justin. Mm -hmm. Sure do. Yeah. You're a good man, Django. Oh. <laughs> None of us are as good as Justin. That's true. I'm Roman. I miss Justin, too, and it's, it's going to be our birthday when you come back to us, Justin. Yeah. The podcast has been stuck at episode, like, 48 <laughs> since you left. Yeah. We haven't even been yeah. posting these, Justin, and we're just yeah. waiting for yeah. you to come back. Yeah, they're just parenthetical little statements Can on the site that say, that, Justin's like, gone. There will be 52 episodes of this podcast once he comes back where he was not on them? That's Weird. crazy. I realized today that I gave him that golden apple that he left here for his <laughs> birthday one year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's seen the uh, like the basketball-sized golden apple hanging around the comic shop, that's Justin's. It's waiting for him to come back. Now he's going to feel guilty about having not taken that. Oh, I sent him a picture of it today. Okay, I told him happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Give us a call at 1-619-663-7336 and give us a stupid subjective pitch that we have to create a comic book series around. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do, do it. it. I love it. <laughs> I love Justin. I'm not making another fart sound. Justin, Jerome, do your, your fucking thing. <laughs> he makes a beak when he does it. <laughs> I had to lean in so you could hear it.